Welcome to GovCast. I am your host, Managing Editor Amy Kluber. GSA's 18F office collaborates with other agencies to fix technical problems. Per its website, it envisions a country whose government consistently offers digital services that instill pride and trust, meet user needs, are secure, and are delivered quickly and at reasonable cost. For those wondering where the name 18F came from, it was named after the street corner it sits on in D.C., 18th and F. We spoke to the head of 18F to get her take on how the office keeps its customer needs in focus, diving into a bit on her background in graphic design and even theater. I'm happy to speak today with Angela Coulter, executive director at 18F. I was fascinated hearing about your various initiatives and projects at the office at our February CXO Tech Forum. I wanted to get to know you a little bit more, and thanks for venturing over to our office to talk with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. What are your roots professionally? How did you come into government? How did I come into government? Prior to working in government, I worked in consulting. So I did work in the private sector. And I had heard about the government digital service in the UK. I think this was back in 2012. I attended a conference, heard someone who worked on gov.uk talking about the work that they had done there. And I remember thinking, if they ever do anything like that in the U.S., I want to be part of it. When I heard that they had stood up, at the time I'd heard about 18F, I'd heard about the U.S. Digital Service, I sent an application and now here I am. Did you always find yourself that you would be a part of government or was that kind of a new venture? That was a new thing. Yeah, I think until I'd heard that there were these sort of digital initiatives in other countries that just never crossed my mind that that was a thing that you could do, that you'd have folks working on digital experiences within government. I mean, now it seems like a no-brainer that, of course, you would have people working on that because it serves so many people. But at the time, I just wasn't aware of it. But as soon as I became aware, I'm like, that's what I want to be doing. So you have some background in graphic design, and many of your experiences since then included the terms usability or user experience, et cetera, according to your LinkedIn. And and by the way, I don't know if anyone has ever told you, but your LinkedIn is incredibly interesting. <laughs> I mean, talk about Thank you. <laughs> user experience, right? It totally, as far as a digital resume goes, it was rife with stories that I kind of want to poke more into. Yeah, that was intentional. I wanted to do something with that that sort of told the story because I've taken sort of a circuitous route to the work that I do now. And I kind of felt like I needed to explain myself. <laughs> so that seemed like, you know, a good, a good place to do it. I think there's more of a push these days for telling stories within portfolios. So if you are applying for a job as a designer, I think that now we're starting to realize it's not just about the visual aspect, but it's about what problem are you trying to solve? And what sort of barriers did you encounter to that? And storytelling's a great way of doing that. There's a visual component to that as well, of course, just seemed like the thing to do. So thanks, I'm glad you enjoyed it. What exactly does user experience entail? Would you say it's a new role as far as the state of technology and everything? How much has that evolved with technology, that role specifically? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a long history to user experience being part of when you're building software. 
it hasn't been called that up until much more recently, but I think it's always been a component, or at least it's always been recognized that a person's experience of using the software or the product is something that needs to be attended to as well. I think it's just become clear more and more recently, like how important that is. But I think it's always been there. Part of our GovCast user experience, if you will, is to get to know you a little bit more outside of your current role. I read that you initially had wanted to be a writer. What drew you to that field and then away from it? Yeah, I will back up even further than that. My bachelor's degree actually is in technical theater. So I spent the first couple of years out of college working for touring theater companies, dance companies, opera companies, realized at some point, I am never going to be able to make a living at this, went back to grad school and thought that, you know, maybe writing might be the direction that I wanted to go in, maybe graphic design. I landed at a program that combined those two really well. Initially, yeah, I thought that going down sort of the writing path might be the way to go. And I don't know that I've necessarily turned away from that. It's just kind of another tool in the toolbox. I fell into doing work with usability, with user experience. One of my experiences in grad school was working on a project where we were trying to identify how to make experiences better, digital experiences better for users with low literacy skills. And so that all sort of combined kind of pushed me sort of away from the focus on writing to more of the usability and and user experience end of things. Kind of jumping back about the technological landscape of things, with it always changing and adapting, describe how you've seen it changing from your perspective over the years and especially with your involvement with the whole user experience ecosystem, how has that impacted you or your work? How the landscape has changed over time? I mean, I think it's interesting. I feel like in some respects, it hasn't changed all that much, or at least the parts that I focus on. If you center sort of the need of the end user in what you're doing, that stays remarkably consistent. I think the thing that has changed and the thing that changes really rapidly is the particular technology that's maybe being used to bring those experiences to folks. Back 15 years ago, when I was building websites, building them in HTML, now anytime I try to view source on a site, I don't understand it at all. That part of it has changed completely since I was first starting. So yeah, the technology has changed, but things stay pretty constant when you're focusing on what problem are we trying to solve here? What are the user's needs that we need to address? That part of it stays pretty consistent. And then as well, when you're talking with partners, agency partners, or you know whoever's hiring you to do what you're doing, making sure that you talk in terms of how solving user needs is going to help also address whatever the business need is. And again, I feel like that part of it stays pretty consistent. Then on the other hand, would you say the needs have changed at all 
over the years? Or is it more so about always trying to improve or modernize systems? Or has that remained pretty much the same, just on a different level? The needs are what they are. And certainly those are going to change depending on what your audience group is or what it is that you're building or redesigning. I think expectations have changed. So that brings up a question regarding 18F specifically. Mm-hmm. When a group or a department or an office come to you wanting to work with you guys, mm-hmm. why would they go to you versus someone in the private industry? Right. I think in some cases, like they could go to somebody in the private sector. And in many cases, the intent is for them to go with someone in the private sector. So let me explain what I mean by that. The reason why they might work with 18F first is that a lot of times when agencies come to us, they're looking for a specific thing. We want your help redesigning a website or we want your help building a platform. And we can do that. But the thing that we've tried to sort of evolve on over the past couple of years is that we're pushing beyond, oh, you want a website? We could do that. We really try to start out with pushing beyond what they're asking for to get to what the need is. Okay, great. You want a website? But what problem does that solve for you? What's going to change as a result of redesigning? And what we often find is a redesign may address some of the issues but maybe not the core issues. And I think that happened to 18F and a number of the projects that we were working on so frequently that we really, a couple of years ago, started to shift how we approached projects to make sure that we did a short discovery process to start out with to better define what's the actual problem here Is this the right way to solve it? And are we the right partner to do that with? That's kind of the first thing I'd say, that the reason that an agency comes to work with 18F is the first thing that we want to do is explore the problem more deeply. Then we move from that sort of discovery phase to more of an iteration phase where we might prototype something to get feedback from users on, is this meeting your needs? Are we going in the right direction or do we need to sort of pivot on what we're doing to really get at solving that problem? And sometimes I would say in the past, a lot of times 18F would take on projects with the intent of building things all the way out to the end and then delivering them. Sometimes we do that, but often what we'll do is go through the prototyping phase and then help a partner identify, okay, now that you have a better understanding of what your user's needs are, now you can work with a vendor to actually execute on that. One of the things that we can do is help put partners together with vendors to, you know, continue doing whatever they need done in a way that's probably more cost-effective than 18F doing it. Interesting. Is there a specific project or initiative you're working on right now that you could highlight? Oh, gosh. We're working on just so many really interesting things right now. We are doing some work with SAMHSA, which is a substance abuse and mental health organization to help them put together an opioid treatment locator. And we've got a team 
working with them right now to interview people who would use such a product. We've talked to people seeking treatment, family members who are seeking treatment on behalf of loved ones, people who are providers. We're in that process of doing user research to figure out what are the needs here. And when we do start prototyping, what do we need to build for? That's a project that we're really excited about. We're doing a fair amount of work for the Air Force right now. We're doing work for the Marine Corps. We just started our first municipal project with the city of Denver and their Smart Cities initiative. They contacted us to help them with their procurement strategy. That's also really exciting because most of the work that we do is work for federal agencies. We have done some work for states. California, Vermont, and Alaska are the ones that we've been working with recently where there's still federal projects. So we're helping with systems related to Medicare and Medicaid, the eligibility process. So that's also something that we've been doing for a couple of years, but we're really excited about this new municipal project. Wow. What's it like working in the municipal side versus the federal? The first thing I'll say about the project was making sure that we could put an agreement together for the project. With federal agencies, it's a pretty simple matter of writing up an interagency agreement. Since 18F does cost money, we have to recover our costs. We put an agreement together spelling out, okay, here's what we're going to do and here's how much that's going to cost. And then there are a couple different authorities that we can use to like make sure that money changes hands. With the state and municipal work, there's a specific authority that we're able to use. And just making sure that all the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed took a while just to make sure, is this a thing that we can do? Yep, yep, this is a thing we can do. So that process took a while, but we were able to work with our Office of General Counsel. They were really helpful. The Chief Financial officer's office. They were also very helpful in putting that together to make sure that this is a thing we're legally allowed to do and making sure the agreement was written in a way that allowed us to do it. That's probably like terribly boring (laughs) And (laughs) and not of much interest. But when we're doing kind of new stuff, that's the thing. It takes us a while to figure out, okay, how do we actually get those agreements together so that we're able to do these things and work on these really interesting projects. Does ATNF see any future growing more in the municipal side? Maybe. I think, I don't know. We'll see with municipal. I think the bigger opportunity is probably with the state work that we're doing. And the reason is because when you're doing work, let's say with the Medicare appeals process or an eligibility process, Each state has their own way of doing things. But once you've done that for one state, you have a pretty good idea of where the problems are and how to address them. We've also been talking with other states saying, hey, look at what we've done for Vermont or look at what we've done with Alaska. You know, we have this domain experience now. That's probably the first place that we'll look at seeing if we can take what we've learned with some of the states and apply it to others. Where do you see emerging technology fitting in to all of this? That is an excellent question. I think it's a little bit to be determined. We've started looking at things like robotic 
process automation. I've got some folks on my staff who are very tuned into those sorts of things and really interested in them. We sort of listen to what our agency partners are looking for. I wouldn't say that we're bringing emerging technology so much into agencies. I mean, the interesting thing is that the approach that we're taking is really very old-fashioned, really. We start with identifying, okay, what's the problem we're trying to solve? And who is going to be using this system, whether it's the general public or a federal employee and better understanding, like, how do you do that work now? Or what information do you have to gather before you apply for benefits and things like that? There's not much emerging about that aspect of it. I think the way that you address those problems might be solved by things that are emerging. But I think our focus has tended to be on just covering those basics. It's almost like you don't fix what's not broken. Right. Kind of. So that's pretty interesting because we hear all this talk nowadays about what's the next technology? What are we going to do new? Maybe in some instances such as this, you don't need to do it in a new way. I really feel like that's true. I think you're right. People do want to know about like what's the next big thing. And to me, that's less interesting than what do your users need right now? And have you done your due diligence in identifying that? Because until you get that part of it right, the technology you use to solve the problem isn't really going to matter that much if you don't have a solid understanding of who you're building for. So that's why I feel like that's what we try to keep focused on while still being aware of what's out there, because people do ask about it, I feel pretty comfortable that we're focusing on the right thing and doing right by our partners by focusing on the end user. Pivoting a little bit more toward the workforce side of things and recruiting, with 18F being such a new office within GSA, and you actually joining 18F pretty soon after it was started. It yeah. Was 2014, wasn't that? I joined in 2016. So the office started up in 2014. We just celebrated our fifth anniversary last week. So that was very exciting. I joined about two years in, so February of, of 2016. The organization is still pretty young, Although I would say we have done a lot of maturing <laughs> in the last couple of years. What was some of the biggest challenges, whether it's being a new office or having to attract talent into your office? What were some of the big challenges and how have you overcome them? I think the big challenge for us that continues today is hiring. Because 18F is primarily a term organization. So about 90% of us, I think, came in under, it's called Schedule AR authority, where it's accepted service, where you're being accepted with an E from the competitive hiring process, which is supposed to be faster. But the trade-off is that you come in for either a two-year term up to four years, but you can't exceed that four-year term. What that means is that now that we're five years old, we have 25% of our staff terming out every year. In order to keep up with the amount of work that comes in, 
I have to plan to hire 25 people every year. And that doesn't even count if we want to grow, if we want to take on, you know, more projects. So that's pretty challenging to just keep up with terming out. It takes, I think right now we estimate that it takes between four and six months to hire somebody. The fortunate thing about term hires is that we have a pretty good idea of when people are going to leave. Sometimes they leave a little bit early, but we know what the deadline is, like after which they're not going to be able to stay. So we are able to do some planning with that, but it still is a challenge. I would say that the supply part of it, those numbers still look good. When I was in a position to hire, before I stepped into the executive director role, I was the director for the strategy chapter within 18F. We were looking to hire six new strategists. We got 176 resumes for those six roles. And to me, that indicated that there's a really high demand for doing these sort of term positions, coming in and doing a term of service within the government. And this year, it's similar. We're in the process of trying to hire I think it's 20 people in the next six months. We still have, for most of our roles, a pretty healthy funnel there of people who've expressed interest. And then you have, you know, the funnel starts to narrow as you qualify those folks. And then, you know, you interview them and then you end up with the folks that you make offers to. But I think it's really a testament to the work that we're doing and the mission that really resonates with people that so many are are still, five years after we started, still interested in coming to work at 18F. So what would make the ideal 18Fer, <laughs> if you will? What are some of the qualities you look for and what would be like a rock star 18F employee? So we have different types of roles. So I'm going to sort of break that down. We hire people with acquisitions experience, people who are engineers, product managers, strategists, all sorts of designers, visual designers, user experience designers, researchers, content designers. We have account managers as well. I would say the folks that come to 18F who make for successful hires have that deep experience in whatever domain that we're bringing them in for. We look for what we often refer to internally as T-shaped people. For an engineer, we might bring somebody in who has deep experience in maybe information security, but we're also looking for that sort of broad skill set so that if you're not working on a particular project that's information security specific, I can still staff you on a project that uses your more general software development skills. Same thing really with our other roles as well, particularly design. Product management is a little more narrow than that. Strategy, I love that group. <laughs> they're kind of, they're very diverse in the skill set that they bring in, but that group in particular has a deep skill set in consulting. And that's the thing that I think makes for a successful hire within 18F when you've got that kind of T-shaped experience in whatever domain that you're in coupled with that consulting experience. So knowing how to present in front of a group and not only presenting to peers within an organization, but also being able to talk to that sort of executive level 
sponsor as well. We actually have a number of people who came to us from academia, either designing for them or just finishing up their PhDs. That is a component of folks at 18F who do come from academia. I think they're all great as far as being able to share their experiences. That's something that we try to do with all the projects that we work on. Coaching is a pretty significant component so that you're not just building something for a partner. You're also working with the engineers or the designers or the product owners in the partner agency and kind of helping coach their skills so that whenever 18F steps back and transitions, okay, here's what we've all been working on for all this time. You know, now it's up to you to keep it going. We want to make sure that we're successfully transitioning that project. The coaching aspect of it is really important. I don't know that that necessarily directly answered your question, but yeah, coaching and teaching is something that we're often called on to do within projects. In the next five to 10 years, where do you see your work taking you, whether that's in or out of government? For me personally, you mean? Like what's up next five or 10 years? Again, that is an excellent question that I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about. I have one year left in my term at 18F. I'm focused on what can I do to make sure that this organization is on solid footing So whenever I step out and somebody steps into this role that I've done as much as I can to make sure that 18F is here five or 10 years into the future, honestly, that's (laughs) that's my focus right now. I imagine after my term at 18F is up, I imagine I'll still be involved somehow, certainly with user experience and service design and usability and, and all that good stuff. I would love to be able to continue doing that in the civic tech space. And whether that's at the federal level or state or municipal, I have no idea. (laughs) Well, I guess we'll have to find out. Keep keep tabs on you. (laughs) I'm happy to come back and talk whenever you like. Well, thank you, Angela. It was great to talk to you today, and we really appreciate your perspective. Like I said, I will be watching over the next year what you do next. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. GovCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentcio.com slash podcasts. GovCast is produced and hosted by Amy Kluber. It is edited by Resonate Recordings. Theme music provided by Big Hoax. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact Joe O'Neill at J-O-N-E-I-L-L at governmentcio.com. Governmentcio.com.